Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host, Sara Davison, shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. to the show. And today, my guest is Libby. Libby is sharing her true story about her breakup and the devastation that her ex's betrayal caused on her family unit. I know that this is really going to resonate with so many of you listening. So I am super excited to welcome Libby to the show. Welcome, Libby. Thank you really good to have you here. I know a lot of my listeners are going to resonate with parts of your story. So before you get stuck into the story, do tell us a little bit about you. So I'm a mum to three beautiful children who are all under the age of eight and I just turned 40. I'm a single mum. I became separated in September 2019 um so coming up to two years now and I just want to sort of be able to share just how that journey has been for me and what I've learned from it along the way please tell us what is your story how did you meet your ex and what happened we were together for almost 20 years we met very young at university and we had a really great time sort of growing up together with a big group of friends with similar interests and for many years it was just great fun really easy an easy relationship life was great we both got um secured good jobs and enjoyed the social aspects that went along with being you know growing up in our 20s and 30s we then decided to get married uh, around the point when we both wanted to have children and, and wanted to have children together and from that point on, uh, we got married. We we had children quite quickly afterwards. We had uh, two children. And then discussions started after having two around whether we would like to have a third baby. And it was for a few years, we sort of bummed and ahed and replayed the same conversations and the same fears, I guess, around having a third. And we both decided that was something that we wanted at that time. Um, and so we were really fortunate to get pregnant again for the third time. And it wasn't really until halfway or midway through the pregnancy that I started to feel a real shift in the atmosphere and, and the environment and the levels of communication between us within the house. And it really felt like, I can only really describe it as a bit of a black cloud hanging over us. You know, I couldn't really quite put my finger on it. And I internalized a lot of the feeling as a lot of women probably do, um, and especially being pregnant in terms of feeling that I was anxious around the birth and anxious around the changes, the imminent changes that were going to happen to our family. And in a way, I probably ignored addressing what else potentially going on in my marriage or, or beyond my marriage, as it were. Do you confront him? Did you ask him? Did you communicate about it? Or did you just sort of put it down to hormones and it was you? Well, during the pregnancy, I really had no idea at all that anything was amiss with my husband or that he was getting up to other things outside of the marriage and the family home. I, I put it down to him having a very stressful job and working long hours. And I felt it was my position to try and support him and give him more time and more of my effort and, and you know, a listening ear to help him through his struggles. And 
even though I was pregnant at the time and sort of, you know, looking after two other children and working, it was a situation that I put myself into, I guess, now I look back to try and save something that was, you know, unsavable from my perspective, but it was something that I felt I had to do. And it wasn't really until I gave birth to my third child that I started to have a bit more of a direction as, you know, what is going on? This isn't internal. This isn't something to do with the birth or the pregnancy. There's something still not quite right. The big black cloud was still hanging over me and the house, and I couldn't pinpoint what it was. And in the first few days, actually, of giving birth, I confronted my husband and just out of the blue said, is there someone else? And he he denied it strenuously and committed himself to the marriage and you know to the family life alongside also starting to say a few really really confusing things such as oh I don't think that we're getting on very well I don't feel there's a connection between you and I or the children and as you can imagine in the first few days after giving birth it came as quite a confusing sort of shocking message to me I didn't really know how to process what he was saying and I also felt completely knee deep in the realities of life with a newborn at that moment in terms of feeling completely helpless and unable to do anything about it and this kind of pattern went on throughout the next few months in terms of my husband growing increasingly distant not just from me but, but also from the children and and just family life in general and it was that sort of behavior and that I guess the switching off from him that led me to start to think okay something is amiss here something uh, doesn't quite add up and when my youngest was three months old I, I, I discovered an email that gave me an indication that he was meeting somebody else instead of going to work and spending time with somebody else and at that point, I confronted him. I just asked him. And in a really weird way, a real calmness came over me at that point. I don't know if that's quite a common thing, but in, at the stage of the confrontation, when I actually had the, the, the hard raw facts in my hand, there was a real calmness because I knew what the answer was going to be. There was an, an inevitability as to how it was all going to pan out. And in that moment, it didn't scare me. Um, I think perhaps the not knowing and the wondering what on earth is going on and you know, feeling out of control with those feelings was more scary than actually finding the proof. Don't get me wrong, it was heartbreaking and uh, and completely horrendous, but there was certainly a sense of calm that, okay, this is the reality, let's go, let's work through this. And he swiftly admitted to everything um, and that it was an old university friend of ours that he had struck a new relationship up with throughout the time I was pregnant and, and thereafter. And from that moment... He left us in the middle of the night that night, and that was it, really. Wow, that must have been so hard for you. I mean, gosh, suddenly realising, and it was somebody that you knew as well. Did that have a big impact on you? Was it somebody that you were close to in the past? It was not somebody I was close to, but we did have a lot of joint mutual friends. And I think more than anything, you know, the sense of betrayal and deceitfulness, not just from my husband, but from somebody else who perhaps didn't know me closely but knew very much that I had three young children and I was going through a pregnancy at the time that she embarked upon the relationship alongside my husband so there was a real sense of just you know not knowing who I could trust any longer and and, and sort of really going through a dark phase of okay who's here for me who is my support network how is this all going to pan out in the bigger picture you know in the longer term 
out that your partner's been cheating on you yeah and they leave obviously there is a lot of changes that suddenly happen out of the blue so there's, there's the shock even though you had suspicions there's the shock you're dealing with but then on top of that with the heartbreak and the confusion and the uncertainty of the future you then bring in there's another person involved who you know so you have a picture of them in your mind it's not like there's somebody you can't really relate to that sort of double whammy effect with three children and a three-month-old baby I mean goodness Libby that is a lot to deal with so how did you get through those initial days? Well I think and I look back at it now at a time where memory-wise I can't really remember the detail of much of what happened in those months following on but having a newborn baby and and being in the thick of it with breastfeeding but also having two older children and having to get them ready for school on a daily basis and do their homework and take them to clubs and activities in a way it, it wasn't as such a distraction it was a real sense of okay I've got to go on I've got to put one foot in front of the other and I've got to put the smile on on my face for the children and I think having that sense of purpose outside of what was going on internally for me and the breakdown of my relationship really enabled me to get to trawl myself through those days alongside a lot of physical support from friends and family and having lots of love and people around to, to help with the practicalities where it was just too much in some days. I know my ex left when my son was one and, you know, I only had one child, but, you know, just having somebody that's totally dependent on you and you had three kids under the age of eight, totally dependent on you and needing a lot of attention. It's not like you can leave them on their own at that age for any length of time, uh, unless, you know, <laughs> because they'll get themselves in all sorts of mischief. So it really does take, you know, a lot of strength, but in some ways it can be your superpower because you kind of have a distraction that's permanently there you have to put one foot in front of the other you have to get out of bed you have to do certain things at certain times so in some ways it can help save you in those initial days just to give you that purpose as you say and and distraction so that's I think often what saves a lot of people in the early days was sort of sinking into a real dark place but obviously you have those feelings still so how did you manage that upset with three small children around? That was the hardest challenge it, initially in the first few days the physical feeling of not being able to move your body not being able to, to do anything um, because the complete shock and the heartbreak and, and the whole you know the range of emotions that hit you all at once really and it really was, I really had to shift my mindset to a kind of, a, you know, taking it step by step, taking it day by day. And just knowing that I had something bigger and more important than myself in that moment to focus on and look after. You know, I was really adamant from the offset that whatever was happening in our family life, I really, not that I wanted to shield and protect my children from it, but I wanted to ensure that they you know, they, they weren't affected badly by it. And um, I think that really helps focus my attention on what I had to do just on a day-to-day basis, whether it was making the breakfast and getting that done, breastfeeding the baby, getting the children to school. So it was a, you know, minute by minute, let's just get through that. And not looking at too much in the future or the bigger picture really helped me sort of begin to regain a sense of confidence. And I, you know, quite quickly, as hard as it is and as hard as it was, especially in those early days, making small achievements like getting them to school on time and 
doing their homework or then one of them getting a really good um, score in their spelling test because we've practiced it the night before. All of those tiny little momentous occasions really started to add up and started to make me feel that, okay, I can do this. You know, I, I don't have to doubt myself. I, you know, I, I can do this alone as hard as it's going to be. Do you explain to the children what had happened? Because obviously they were really young. I mean, super young because it was quite dramatic he left that night how did you explain to the children that daddy had gone are you struggling to cope with your breakup or divorce are you feeling devastated heartbroken sad and anxious if so please know that you are not alone and there is help available Sarah Davison, best known as the Divorce Coach, and her team of accredited coaches are here to offer you the support and guidance you need to navigate all areas of your breakup, take back your control, and start feeling happy again. Sarah will show you how to dial down those controlling negative emotions, unhook from your ex, get back in the driving seat of your life and design a future you are excited to live. Sarah has a range of solutions to support any breakup, including free guides, one-to-one -one coaching, her Heartbreak to Happiness virtual retreats, live retreats, and you can even train to be a breakup and divorce coach with Sarah too. Visit www.saradavison.com today and start to feel happy again. How did you explain to the children that daddy had gone? In the really initial first sort of few days, it was quite easy to sort of uh, say to the children that daddy was away on a work trip because that wasn't uncommon. You know, he would be out the house for long hours with work and travelled quite a lot. So it wasn't a dissimilar situation in terms of me being on my own with the children. In that respect, it was just different in that I was trying to sort of process and gather everything else that was sort of absolutely tumbling apart in my life behind the scenes for them. And with the children, it wasn't until I think a couple of weeks after he had left that I was able to put myself in a situation where I could explain to them a little bit more fully that, you know, daddy has gone away and he won't be back now. This is how we're going to be living going forwards and you'll see daddy on certain days. And I kept it as matter of fact as I could. I, I, I took some advice from some really good friends and one of them that's a child psychologist in terms of just being sure that I knew what I was saying was not going to harm them or, or you know, give them a, an experience that was going to impact them later on in life. And I set out really early to try to think to myself, okay, how do I want this to pan out how do I want to portray myself and I after what had happened to me and the levels of deceit and dishonesty that I had encountered I said to myself well I, I will never be dishonest to them I will never cover up anything but obviously I'll keep it as age appropriate as possible and and tell them the facts that they needed to know in that time and the facts were that you know daddy won't be living with us any longer and you know you will get to see him at regular times but this is our family unit now very often children will take their lead from you and understanding that it's number one not their fault and that daddy still loves them and obviously not over promising if you don't know how often that dad's going to be involved and obviously you can't over promise that 
but you know making sure they know it's not their fault and they are loved and that some things will stay the same and then there are some changes and some of them would be great because you get to have two bedrooms and maybe two Christmases and you know kids can get excited about those things and they will take their lead from you Um, obviously though all children are different and so sometimes you know you need to speak to them individually as well because different personalities different ages require a slightly different approach did you find that with your I mean obviously the three-month-old wouldn't be aware but the older two very much so they're actually quite close in age there's only about 22 months between them in age so so it became quite a bit of a an evening ritual that we'd get the baby down to sleep eventually and then the older two and I would would snuggle up in bed together and would read a book but we'd also it really started to engender an environment where they felt safe to ask questions and to you know start to figure out in their heads what how it would look for them and you're right it was really nice to be able to listen to them and hear their fears but also hear the areas where they could get excited about the fact that they'd have two Christmases and be able to share presents with different people and and, and have that look forward to so it was obviously a, a bit of a hard pill for me to swallow personally hearing and listening to how things are going to change and obviously I had no say or control in the fact that my husband chose to walk out on us and that my you know the family unit that I dreamed of and that I thought I'd be able to give to my children was no longer a reality or a possibility but knowing that they were safe they were loved and that they would be able to experience some really exciting times whether that was with me or not you know fundamentally that was quite a grounding but fulfilling experience really to go through. I hear this a lot in my coaching clinic that especially if you've been left, whether it's, you know, the mum or the dad, but if you've been left and then you don't get to see your kids every night, you don't get to put them to bed every night and it wasn't your choice and that wasn't what you signed up to and that wasn't the fairy tale that you'd sort of bought into and gone along with, it can be quite challenging, especially if they have a new partner as well who's going to be doing that with your children. How did you deal with that? Yeah, and I think it's really important for me to be so honest here in that I'm 22 months into the process of being separated. And it's only within the last few months that I've got to enjoy having the time away from my children. Up until that point, it was a horrendously horrible feeling of of giving my children away. And especially my youngest is uh, during the time where he was still so young that he was being breastfed, I'd have to pack them off and send them away and be, you know, bye-bye, have a great time. And then just fall into a complete heap once the door was closed, pumping milk ready for the baby to return and everything like that. So that's probably been the hardest thing to come to terms with and to adjust in that nobody ever really wants to bring children into the world to then just not to be a part of that and for a long time my mindset was quite stuck in feeling that I've lost my children I've lost a part of them I don't know what they're doing who they're seeing what they're getting up to I know they're having a good time and I know that they're safe and they're loved but there was a real internal sense from me that this really wasn't what I signed up for but once I was able to work past that and, and start to realize that actually I have less 
time with them here when they're with me but actually the time I have with them is so much better the connection is so much deeper and that you know the conversations we have the activities that we now do as a little team of four are so much more fulfilling than anything I had even within the marriage so getting to that point was a really long hard struggle but now I'm here it's actually a really nice feeling to wave them off know that they are going to have a good time and know that actually I'm I've got that time to look after myself to recharge and to ensure that when they come back to me I'm good to go again I'm, I'm ready and, and full of energy again so yeah I feel for you because I hear this every day in my clinic you know and and ultimately as you know you and I are both mums and you know, knowing that they have a you know it's important for them to have a relationship with their father and obviously as you said in your case you know that they're safe you know that they're having a good time you know that they come back happy but they're building that relationship with their dad which is important and maintaining that connection with him which is important and being able to almost see well it's good for them therefore it's got to be good for me because I want the best for my kids is, is really important but yeah it can be a real struggle to get to that point I think that understanding plus the fact that as you said quality time with your kids goes up when they are with you because it isn't as much as it was so you make the most of every second right and you really appreciate everything and also you know I know that you said at the beginning you know you weren't going to be the family unit anymore and this is something again I hear time and time again and it's really interesting because you obviously are still a family it's just a smaller family and in your case you have three kids so there's four of you in that family you know me and my son we were a teeny family it's just me and him but it's still a family so you know it's, it's sort of understanding it might not be the same sort of traditional setup although tradition anymore who knows it's not really 2.4 kids is it anymore but you know it's it's just a slightly different dynamic but it's still a family so once you can get your head around that and see it as time to work on you and time for you to actually become a better mum. Because if you're having time out for you as a woman, doing things for you that help you grow and you love and you enjoy and get some time off and all the other things. Because, gosh, three kids, that's I mean, one kid is hard enough. I mean, three is full on job. So, you know, you're doing an awesome job. So, so what then happened with your ex and that process of trying to work out, you know, how did you come to the child arrangements? Was that quite straightforward or was that difficult? It wasn't very straightforward. I think from the breakdown of the marriage, communication became quite an issue between us in being able to have the opportunity to talk. I think you need two people that are both willing to be able to listen and put themselves in a situation where that they want to listen and be able to work together. So I got some help from um, a solicitor and I spoke to some really lovely friends who had also had similar experiences in terms of becoming divorced and having to share child arrangements. And so it was a bit of a long process and lots of bumps along the way in terms of what do we do, how do we do it and, and looking at what others have done. And in a really positive way, we have got to a point now where over email, we're, we're able to share a document and look at a year ahead in terms of access arrangements and, and how that all pans out. I think from the offset, again, I was really keen to make sure that the children, I was honest with the children and they knew what was going on and they would know where they're going, when and when they were coming back and, and to make it as simple and as straightforward for them. And so we came to an arrangement in that they would go and see their dad every other weekend which is 
I think quite standard really. And then they would see him the weeknights in the other week as well for a few hours. So it wasn't easy. There was lots of to and fro in and a lot to work past in terms of feeling that from my perspective, I know what I wanted. I wanted my children as much as possible, but I also knew that my ex-husband, their daddy had to be a part of their lives as well. And um, just balancing that all out and, and trying to get to the middle point where realizing what we both wanted wasn't going to work, but we could get somewhere in the middle that actually favored the children and, and what would be right for them in the, in the long run. So it was hard and putting myself in a position where I was able to communicate with him in a calm and rational way, certainly took a lot of sort of, you know, biting my tongue and learning by my mistakes as well in, in that process. It sounds like you're doing all the right things ultimately. I mean, of course, there's going to be bumps along the way in this kind of scenario. How did you manage your own emotions around your kids being around his new partner? That is something that, if I'm honest, I haven't really allowed myself to put much emotional time or thought into that I think from the offset I was quite adamant in my own mind that this was all about my children and then secondly it was all about my relationship with the other parents of my children and I'm really keen to try and approach it in that way I want to have a relationship however that looks with my ex-husband for the sake of my children but I don't really wish to engage or think about anything else beyond that what he does in his time with the children is it's his time it's special time for him and the children but that's not something that I really want to worry about or think about so I've from the offset I, I've been quite adamant that I want to you know be quite strong mentally in this and, and and not feel that I want to encroach on that but I also don't want to I don't want to have to give any of my thought to other people that are quite insignificant in my life. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great advice if you can do it. You know, I think there'll be people listening thinking, gosh, I wish I could do that. But some people will be obsessing about that. But I think if you can sort of put those thoughts in a little box and shut them, it can be a good way of dealing with it if you're capable of that. And if not, sometimes just thinking that well if they're nice to my kid that's really the most important thing if my kid enjoys being with them and they do things with them and they're nice to them well you know that's the best outcome isn't it that's the best you can really hope for and I think focusing on it from what's best for my child is to have a good time when they are with your ex no matter who else is there I think that's the most important thing so brilliant so Wow, you've been on a real journey and coming out the other side now, stronger and more confident and enjoying your time on your own, which is great. What would be your message for listeners who might be going through a similar situation right now, maybe right at the beginning? What would be the advice you would give them? I think for me, I was really quite set on the closure or the, you know, the ending of the marriage being a sort of a, a really big significant marker in the sand and at the beginning I, I got myself quite worked up in terms of wanting to be at that finish line wanting to be healed wanting everything to be better and being able to move on and very quickly I learned that that is a complete fallacy it doesn't work out like that that there is no end point to any of it and it was in the really small insignificant moments in the days and whether it was you know taking 
my youngest swimming for the first time and just seeing his face light up in the pure joy, taking in lockdown, watching my children homeschool and and just watching the way that they learn and the the way that they interacted with their friends and starting to realize that there were small trickles of contentment in my day-to-day life and that was enough to start to build up a bit of a a, you know a, a, a bit of momentum in terms of okay this could be good this could actually be better than it was before so instead of looking for the end goal or the end closure to this horrific ordeal it was more a case of starting to realize that okay Day-to-day life is really good. There's really good pockets of things that are happening, you know, every single day that are making me feel good about myself and feel good about my family life. And so I think shifting the focus away from, you know, how can I get over this? How can I move on? How am I going to um, get through all of this? It's just starting to realise that each day there's something you can do for yourself that's going to make you feel just even if it's just for half an hour, it's going to make you feel good. And and that's enough. That is enough to get you through. And then the next day, something else great will happen. And just building up that bank of really good feeling was really what got me through and, and what is making me feel that there really is a strong light at the end of this tunnel. I love that. I, mean, I think it's so important as well, because quite often we're so focused on what's wrong and what's bad and what's negative that we miss what is actually good. Like you said, the, the small trickles of contentment with you know your kids or just the sun shining or someone saying something nice or just laughing at something maybe you watched in a movie. You know, those things, just actually really focusing on them and enjoying them, savouring them in that moment like you said, it's a bit of a lifeline to sort of pull you through each day. So yeah, what amazing advice. So what have you personally learned for this, which is you know helping you move forward and redesign your life? What have you sort of seen as a, a lesson that you've learned maybe that's helpful for you moving forward? I think the biggest lesson that I've learned is that it's a really good thing to ask for help when you need it. I think so many of us as mums and as women, you know, we want to please others. We want other people to feel good before ourselves. And we put ourselves at the bottom of the pile. And knowing that when this really challenging time in my life happened to me, I had so many people around me that wanted to help and were really keen and desperate to help. And being open to that um, was a real game changer for me. I was able to realize that I don't have to do it all alone. And also then that I could be the help and the support for other people around me. It really did open up, you know, the connection between a lot of friendships for me and a lot of other relationships that perhaps I had not had the time for or I I had neglected whilst I was in the marriage. And I think also with a lot of friends, just not only asking for help, but but being open and being vulnerable in front of them. It's amazing how um, many of my friends and family have also opened up in terms of what's going on in their lives. We've all got really hard things that we're all dealing with. You know, being able to share that with somebody and being able to talk openly and knowing that somebody is there to listen is a really valuable lesson for me, but also for the way that I want to raise my children and the way that I would love them to learn as well you know it's okay to ask for help it's okay to be vulnerable and say that I'm really struggling in this moment and and knowing that actually when you do that everybody is there for you which is a great feeling yeah and for those listening who don't have a big set of friends and family there is always help available like from professional help either from your GP or 
you know, from experts in this area. So do ask and find someone who can support you because there will be people there and you are definitely not alone. There are lots of people going through breakups, heartbreak, divorce, and trying to rebuild their lives. So what does the future look like for you? Are you dating again yet? What's exciting that's happening in your life that you've got coming up? No, I'm not dating. I'm a little bit busy with the three young children currently and I work as well. So that takes up a lot of my time, but it feels really great to be able to focus on the things in my life that are really important to me, my family, my job and my health and doing things that and finding things and passions that I really enjoy spending my time on. I think in the future, perhaps I'd like to date. Perhaps it's a little bit too soon for me still in terms of knowing how to be vulnerable in front of somebody in terms of placing my trust you know in a relationship sense with some someone and hopefully that will come come in time again but for now I'm just having so much fun with the children and and working hard in my career and, and starting to look at the thing all the things I can do that weren't possible before just just for me and that's really exciting right now. Uh, just for you I love it I love it and you know when it comes to dating I think again it's important just to have the distinction that someone has to earn your trust you don't obviously want to give that away because of the situation you've been in it's going to be challenging and it's normal that you are wary of that but there are as we I've talked about in other episodes like how to design your ideal partner where you're actually putting in safety nets to protect you and to look out for warning signs and, and notice the red flags as soon as they come up just so that you can go out and have a bit of fun if you choose to when you're ready but actually you know someone else has to earn your trust it's definitely something that they would have to earn and you wouldn't be giving away easily and understandably given what you've been through Libby but yeah you are so inspiring I mean your story is you know heartbreaking and I know that so many listeners were thinking gosh you know I'm going through that right now and this has given them hope and the fact that you are now doing things just for you that you love is inspiring and hopefully has given them a light at the end of the tunnel. So thank you ever so much for sharing with us today and for being my guest. Thank you. That's it for today. And I look forward to you joining me on our next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness. <laughs>